This episode has been brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. You are invited to attend their open house on November 10th to discover what makes Heschel special. Visit torontoheschel.org for more details. That's Toronto, H-E-S-C-H-E-L dot org. Welcome to Rivkush, a CJM podcast featuring conversations with Jews of color discussing all things Jewish. My guest today is J-Rob, also known as Jared. Jared is a, he is half white, full black. Black Ashkenazi Jewish multidisciplinary artist and activist from Montreal, whose roots are from St. Vincent in Germany. His two main focuses are music and poetry. He aims to amplify and unite the voices of the marginalized, dismantle white supremacy and the systems that uphold it. Musically, he brings a mix of political grunge rap and personal psych pop, elevating each form through lyrical storytelling a lover and a fighter. He speaks from his soul, expressing an intimate experience that rings true for too many who are struggling under the systems of class, race, and other identity-based oppression. Currently, he's working on an experimental hip-hop album and a poetry collection. He is the vice president of the executive board for the revitalized effort to reclaim and rebuild the NCC a prominent Black community centre that once operated in Little Burgundy. So please join me in welcoming J-Rob to Rivkush. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate the uh, warm welcome. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. So one of the first things, I mean, first of all, you come so highly recommended by Lisa, who I consider, Lisa Rubin, who I consider a true ally. You know how they, yeah, you know how they say too, that allies are appointed, they're not Mm self-appointed, you know, and (laughs) if I could be so bold, I appoint her as an ally. (laughs) She is amazing. I back the appointment. You're amazing. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate that. Lisa, Lisa's incredibly dope. And uh, yeah, I'm right there with you with uh, all the God words. (laughs) She really is. So one of the things that struck me is, and I kind of love this in full disclosure, my kids are biracial, biracial Jewish babies. Well, they're not babies anymore. They're like adults. (laughs) But uh, I love this half white Full black. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, dang, you know, I'm going to share it with the kids, but you tell me what it means to you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a reference to, of course, a, a lot of things, but primarily, um, you know, uh, I grew up with my, uh, with a white mom. My mom, my mom raised us on her own and, you know, definitely at home, we were made aware of our whiteness and, you know, uh, you know, it, it was, it was family. That's, that's what we were when we when we were in those doors but you know my mom made us uh, understand and realize that you know the the comforts of our home don't really dictate uh the rest of the how the rest of the world is going to treat us and you know we knew that as soon as we stepped outside we wouldn't be treated as half white we would be treated as full black and that's really true to my experience and uh 
yeah, you know, it's also a reference to, you know, the, the, the one drop rule uh, or yeah. f- for listeners that aren't aware of what that means. It's, uh, since the, uh, you know, antebellum era in the U.S., you were if you had uh, one drop of anything that's not white, you were considered, you know, quote unquote, not pure. Um, and, uh, that, that, that kind of mentality still kind of resonates in a lot of ways. That's why we call, you know, Obama, for instance, the first black president, but not the first half black president, you know? So, uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of like the, uh, the meaning and history, I guess, behind the name. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I don't think, I think a lot of people have either didn't know about the one drop rule Mm -hmm. and how, even though it was um originated in the united states it actually is pretty much global and uh how either they didn't know or they've conveniently forgotten Mm -hmm. you know for example i remember reading in in, in social media about when kamala harris was running for uh vice president and she was identifying as biracial you know half black in particular, Jamaican. Sorry, yeah. I know St. Yeah. Vincent is, <laughs> no. you know, but I got, I got, I got to pump up Jamaica. Yeah, oh. rep your country. I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> you know? So and and, and um, Southeast Asian, and then people are all of a sudden they're like, oh well, she's calling herself black. She's calling herself black, and I'm like, you all are called, you all called her black. Yeah, yeah. So why is all of a sudden denying her right to say I am biracial or I am a black woman mm-hmm. when it is your people who created that one drop rule where you yeah. have a little bit, you black. Yeah, exactly. We, we're <laughs> operating within the uh, the limitations that you gave us. Exactly. But I guess when it turns on you, mm-hmm. you, you want to flip the rule that you started. Yeah. But so was it... Um, I know I, I know it may not be fair to ask you about your mother's perspective, but mm-hmm. did she find it? I raised biracial children, but I am a black woman. So yes. it was, yeah. you know, it was kind of not it was a natural segue for me yeah. to say, you know, for example, to my son Joshua, the world, you may see yourself as biracial, whatever. And I said, but the world will see you as a black kid. Be mindful of that, yada yada. And you know, and I would give examples from my life, right? How was it for your mother? Because she is a white woman. Yeah. Um, well, you know, thankfully, uh, my mom uh, was very, you know, uh, a lot of the people she hung out with growing up were black. She was kind of, you know, uh, the black sheep of the family. You know, she didn't really fit in necessarily with uh, Jewish crowds. You know, she's still proud of her Judaism. But uh, for one reason or the other, she didn't really fit into you know, the middle class typical Jewish family and so uh, she found herself you know finding uh, acceptance really within you know uh, black folk because you know they were different she was different kind of thing and I think because of that you know uh, I I, I assume some of my mom's friends when she was raising black kids you know they were like hey you know you gotta have to talk with them you know you gotta yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it was her friends or she kind of just came to that conclusion herself based on, you know, being around black people and understanding, you know, some of the or, or witnessing, I should say, some of the things that they went through. Um, but, yeah, my mom really made an active effort to not only just make us prepared uh, for, you know, the racialized issues that we must fa- might face, but also, you know, she also wanted us to be proud 
you know, so, you know, she got me involved in, you know, uh, black community centers as a kid. And, you know, if I ever showed interest in a, a black, you know, she, she would never, you know, tell me not, I, I've heard experiences of biracial kids where, where, where they're, you know, white parents would be like, oh, don't listen to hip hop. It's bad. You know, yeah, she, yeah. she, she recognized black artwork and respected it. And, you know, cool. uh, yeah, she, she just, she was down. I, I'm yeah. really grateful. I, I've heard a lot of, yeah, I've met a lot of mixed kids in my, in my, uh, uh, you know, entire life yes. who've been raised by white parents only and their experiences uh, were a lot more traumatic than mine. So I'm pretty grateful wow. with, with the experience I had. That is um, pretty impressive and courageous of her because I can only appreciate at times it might've been a challenge and it's nice to hear that she had a support group. Um, how many kids are in your family? Uh, so on mom's side, I have three other brothers. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's cool. I come from a family of four girls, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, that's impressive because one of the things she, she went beyond, I'm going to, you might get the, the joke. She went beyond just trying to figure out what to do with your hair. Yeah. <laughs> trying to, you know, make sure that you would cope and cope well in the world that you're going into and exactly. like props to her what about the jewish aspect of it because that's a whole other yeah thing yeah so um we would always <clears throat> my, my great-grandmother she um she was actually born and raised in germany um and she ended up leaving before the nazi reign um and you know kind of packed up her entire life you know she was a a dentist uh, I was like, I had her, had her own practice, had, had everything, you know, um, was wow. living, you know, the, the, the middle-class dream. And, uh, then suddenly, you know, one day it was like, I, well, we got to get out of here. Like, uh, she was one of the, I guess, lucky ones that, you know, recognized what was happening before it did. Okay. So she left to Belgium. Um, eventually, you know, the war, uh, reached there as well and she i remember she's telling me all the time she was she was giving birth to my grandmother and she's like i was giving birth to her as you know bombs were dropping on top of us wow like, yeah um so and then uh, i i think that's where i i i don't remember the family history uh, completely but I, I believe that was around or where she met my great-grandfather he was serving in the air force or i think he was a mechanic the air force and then eventually she found her way over to uh canada and yeah that's kind of where uh we you know been since uh and uh she she was never too religious um and i'm finding that out actually more now because my great uncle her, her son uh is becoming more religious in his later years and uh his my great aunt she she can't believe it and she's like if if my, we used to call her mama if she's like if mama were here she wouldn't she wouldn't believe this you know <laughs> and I, I, i'm even becoming more and more you know uh i wouldn't say religious but i'm just becoming more and more you know interested in our stories and in, yes. in the religion and, and uh and she's like and you as well she you know she's like so <laughs> i guess we were a pretty secular family but we would always 
celebrate the high holidays together. Like I like some of my fondest memories were getting together for like Passover and, you know, just having fun and doing the thing. And um, yeah, it's a, it's, so really no different than other Jews, you know, not so religious, but we're going to do Passover. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think like for me growing up, it was a little tough because, you know, I didn't really see Jewish representation that looked like me. And um, I think I, I, I went to Camp in Abrith, Montreal, and I think I would get a lot, you know, is like questioning. Uh, when, when, you know, when nobody would question any of the other, you know, right. Jewish kids, but as soon as it got to me, it's like, oh, you know, who in your family is Jewish? And it's like, it doesn't seem like much at, you know, at first, you know, maybe the first couple of times, but once you notice it repeating and repeating itself, it's like, okay, well, you know, if everybody else is questioning this thing, this thing that I feel connected to, then it's like, am I, am I really connected to it? You know, and it's something I had to figure out I think uh, for a while and where I got to now, it's like nobody, and this goes for both of my identities, really, nobody can validate or take away my, my Jewishness or my blackness. It's really Amen. up to me to, you know, take control of that narrative and really be who I want to be and identify with the parts I feel comfortable with identifying with. So that's kind of the mentality I'm running with now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I loved what you said. No one can take that away. No, yeah. no one could give it to you. You know, it's like, it you. yeah, you got it. You got to find your own way. I think like that, that journey is a lot easier for some people. And I, I, I think like the, the Jewish identity itself is something that a lot of like, even my friends, you know, have had trouble figuring out how they identify with, they always felt, you know, accepted it and comfortable but they're like what does this really mean for me and it's kind of you know i've been asking myself the same question so it's yeah we all we all take that journey i think and i think some people just you know get it more naturally yeah no i absolutely agree we it is it's all it's a jewish thing it really is a jewish thing to 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 question and to work your wrap your head around and to figure out where you fit and and sometimes some things make it more in your face like when there's anti-semitism it's Mm -hmm. you know then you're like then you start thinking about your who you are as a jew right i remember a few years ago quite a few years ago um there was a gentleman who was murdered in front of um King David Pizza, Bathurst and Lawrence in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it was clearly a, a hate crime. Yeah. And that's a very, I lived in that area and it's very, it's definitely very Jewish. Anything up and down Bathurst Street in Toronto yeah. is very yeah. Jewish, right? I've been, I've been around <laughs> you know, the block. Yeah, that, I know, okay, I know all right, about. all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and, uh, and in particular, it is, it's, it's a very Orthodox area too. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself wow is it safe mm-hmm. to be jewish mm-hmm. and thinking thinking to myself well you know i'm kind of an undercover jew so unless i'm wearing my Magin david or yeah. something i said but then again is that how i want to portray myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as an undercover jew so i was like no i am jewish i i'm suffering too 
and I'm scared too. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, and I'm not going to take, and I'm doing this in quotation marks, advantage of the fact that I may not look like what you would think in your mind is a Jew and yeah. go through like that. No, I'm going to proudly declare I am Jewish. I stand with my, my brothers and sisters um, in support of the crap that we're facing right now at Passers and Lawrence. So how, how is your experiences? I know it sounds like every, when I say this question, it always sounds really weird to me, but nonetheless, mm. what has your experiences been around anti-Semitism and, you know. um honestly a, a kind of similar journey uh, as well um mine i guess awakening uh, my realization the same realizations that you had came uh when the pittsburgh shooting happened uh the pittsburgh synagogue shooting um right. i remember so I, I was living with a, a few roommates and two of them were uh jewish as well and uh we all were like we got to go to, we got to go to a uh, synagogue. We got to go to shul this, this Friday, you know, um, we all kind of, you know, were hit differently by it. Like one of my friends, yes. Friends in Pittsburgh. One, one of my roommates had friends in Pittsburgh. Uh, another one, my other friend, uh, he was from France and he just brought up, you know, memories that he, uh, wow. of his, uh-huh. you know, parents experience. And, uh, for me, it was also like, damn, you know, uh, for a long time, I felt really, you know, safe and secure because, you know, uh, I, you know, there's there's troubles that come with blackness, of course. But, you know, of course, there's a lot more troubles that come with being a double minority. And I, you know, I, I felt really safe in my in my identity because I had I, it was like I'm, I'm choosing really when I want to engage with Judaism you know I'll, I'll never not say I'm Jewish but I can always choose to not to, to you know not necessarily have it be on my my, my my frontal you know exactly yeah um but after after uh going to synagogue a few weeks later uh I was walking down Saint Laurent there was this random shop that was you know selling trinkets and stuff and I saw this this like huge uh star of david wow yeah i wish people could see that that's like that that's like the size of a small child's head yeah it's like uh maybe eight centimeters um uh, whatever the radius i don't know the 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 technical term but i saw that and i was like that i that is me that i that like because that's how i was feeling i was like you know i want i want I know my 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 people right now. They're hurting. I know they're scared. Mm-hmm. I want if I can provide, you know, some sort of visibility, some sort of safeness, you know, because you know, I know now. I hope at least that you know when other Jews see this, it's like okay, you know, I'm not alone right now. There's you know, right. How, however small that effect may be, if it, if I'm doing it, I'm gonna do it. And I know you know a lot of my. Uh, my roommates they had a lot of stories with um moments of anti-semitism very and very like intentionally targeted towards them right um and i've never had that i had like you know stupid jokes growing up at school um but i've never really been confronted and been had my jewishness threatened and i was like 
you know, that's wild that you guys had to go through that. I, I had that with racism, of course, but never like this. So it's like, if I know this is going on, then, you know, I, I, I got time for it. You know, yeah. if someone wants to step to me, they, you know, you better do it to correct so yep. it's like i'm not scared of these nazi fools like i'm, I'm gonna put this on <laughs> yes. my chest you know yes exactly exactly it's interesting because my equal other who happens to be israeli that was his philosophy with wearing his star of david because he comes from a country where you don't have to proclaim you're jewish you know yeah, <laughs> you yeah, just yeah, are yes. right yeah. and but when he came to canada that was one of the things that was foremost in his head he says, I am going to proclaim that I am Jewish. And he had also this other twist to it. He said, so when you see that I'm doing something great or good or kind, you see the star of David and you'll remember a Jew did this. Yeah, or, yeah. I, I rock with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. His, his star of David was big, not like the one that you're carrying, much, which must be. <laughs> really quite a weight on your neck yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless it was pretty significant um so another you define yourself as a multidisciplinary multidisciplinary artist yes. now in my head when i think that i think i think what i would love to be singer dancer actor but hey, it's never too late it's never oh no too you know late. that's just in my dream right <laughs> or when i'm when i'm at home alone and i'm reenacting something there you go <laughs> or i'm doing my latest is um i'm gonna mispronounce her name cynthia arevio arevio stand up the song stand up from the movie harriet i have been singing that like a crazy girl and i can't hey, sing but I'm like, I'm like empowering it because that that song too just you know, sorry to digress, but that song is so powerful. You've heard it, yeah? I haven't. You know what? Oh, I'm going to load it up on my Spotify and listen right after Load it up. It's called Stand Up. And the beauty of that song is, is that it applies. I feel like it's both. It's, it's, it's about both my people. Mm. It's because it's, it's a song written for the movie about Harriet Tubman. But nonetheless, it's like stand up and, you know, it's about freedom it's about you know helping my people it's and it, and it applies to both of our peoples so you need to hear that song it's quite powerful but oh, i got uh, it queued up as good, soon as good, this good, is good. done i'm a little excellent <laughs> but so tell me your what how you define multidisciplinary artists yeah so um I, I, you know, I, I've written poetry uh, for, you know, 12, since I was like 12. And uh, I always love writing. Uh, writing is just something that's come so naturally to me. And, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, and it's just manifested in so many ways. You know, I started with poetry. Well, if I'm being honest and transparent, I started with writing a really whack a horrible rap song <laughs> and <laughs> i heard it and i was like i can't i can't do this um uh, and then i came across spoken word poetry uh i don't know if you ever watched deaf poetry jam when it was on I, but yeah yeah i saw that and i was like oh wow that you know i i had trouble with you know melodies and sticking on the beat and making that sound good so i was like if i could do this without having to worry about that um 
And then I can, you know, I, I'm going to just rock with that. So I, I did poetry for a long time. And then I got introduced to a more musical crowd and they were really cool. And they kind of inspired me to, you know, I, you know, if they're doing it, they must have started somewhere as well. So I'm going to do right. this as well. And uh, music has been, you know, going really well. And I have a few uh, scripts that I wrote that I'm trying to get developed, a uh, short film. Oh, yeah. And uh, hold I, on I, a minute. <clears throat> Remember what I told you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that is so cool. You know, Thank part you. of me, part of me almost wants to say to you, can you play, can you, can you recite your first one? Just, <laughs> I don't even I'm remember like, where that and, is. <laughs> and you know what the interesting thing is to you and you are the artist and your work has to sound the way you want it to sound. Yeah. But part of me, I'm sitting here thinking, bet you it wasn't so bad. I bet you it wasn't so bad, but he you didn't know, like it. That's my crazy. little brother liked it. My little you brother see? liked it. <laughs> you see so are you up to share yeah I, I think i can share something with y'all today um okay let me see what i got here and see um because that would be kind of cool that would be really cool i have tried but it really is an art form and it really is like it speaks to talent because when i try spoken word i just sound not right <laughs> when, I, when I try to rap, I just sound not right. <laughs> well, you know what? Something I've I've noticed and come to appreciate is knowing when you're not good at something is a talent in itself because that's what because you can improve. There's so many people making music, making poetry that have no idea how they sound really. You know, it's like, oh, the, and it's good that they're making art. But it's like you got to be able to criticize your own art. You, you got to be able to grow. So it's like the fact that you're able to recognize I'm not good at this yet is like a good thing. It's like oh, hold because on, from hold there on. you can improve. I ain't adding the yet to it. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <laughs> there was no yet added to it. It's like I'm not good. Full stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Oh, wow. But thanks. <laughs> Well, if you ever want to pick it up, you know, uh, and I, I love, I love, you know, really putting people on and helping people with poetry. I think po like spoken word, especially it's like, it's such a beautiful art form. Uh, it's, it's like a very, you know, like, like naked art form. It's so mm -hmm. vulnerable. Um, so I love, you know, when people show an interest because it's also something that I feel like doesn't really get the same kind of respect uh, that it used to at least. Mm -hmm. so it's like to see people interested in it and if i can help them you know oh i'm, I'm just way. getting chill even as you're saying that i'm getting a chill <laughs> because there have been there have been I, i've been moved by it and you know in and in, in the un, most unexpected places like for example i was watching okay i'm gonna out myself as like a garbage tv watcher but i was watching america's got talent or something <laughs> cool cool think, that's all good and i, and I think if I, I think it was that show that a spoken word artist, I believe, won it. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so one of the things, do you think I can remember his name? No, I can't. Please forgive me, whoever he is. But um, one of the pieces that he did, I was just like, and I could feel like myself like choking up. And my equal other, when he finished, 
because he doesn't watch those things, but it caught his, uh, it caught his ear. Mm-hmm. And he was like, wow. I was like, wow. You know, one of the first spoken word pieces was Vanessa Hideri, who did, um, she did something about being a Jew of color. Mm. And I will, I always remember it because one of the lines in it is when they say you don't look Jewish and this and that. And one of the things she says, and I'm going to have to bleep myself is, and I'm paraphrasing her badly, forgive me, Vanessa, but she says something like, what? Um, I don't look Jewish. Should I fiddle on a bleeping roof for you? Mm. So substitute that with, you know, right. And then, at the end, she says, I don't look Jewish. You don't look, period. And so they mm. remember things, you know, from spoken word. It, it, it sticks with you. Anyways, yeah. you ready, J-Rob? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, take it away. Uh, so uh, this is one of my most uh, recent ones. It's called uh, Here We Are. Here we are. Still struggling searching for the precipice of our salvation. Still struggling, lurching from the pestilence of our routed nations. Here we are, still striving, still striving, still fighting, still dying, because you dare to raise your fist. Here we are, gazing into the abyss the chasm of the corrupt creation. In my mind, I lay betwixt imprisonment and liberation, militance and patience, sadness, and more and more and more and more and more pain. Here we are, heavy-hearted, blood boiling, Another page in our long-witted story of persistence, resistance, and more and more and more and more and more pain. Here we are, hoping that this time they'll heed our words until the day I'm dead and gone and someone will need to say them again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your voice. Thank you. I appreciate Um, the opportunity. Okay. So musically, I have to, I have to pause for a second. (laughs) Take your time. It's all good. Okay. So musically, your influences are. Yeah. Um, I'd say my influences come from a lot of places. Um, I've been, it's funny when I first started making music, I started making music, I guess, pretty late into my, compared to my, my colleagues, it's pretty late to, you know, start making music at like 20, 25. Um, but uh, what my friend said, uh, when I started making music with him, he's like, man, he's he's like, you've kind of seen us, you know succeed and fail in a lot of ways and you, you kind of soaked all that up you kind of become like this osmosis of sound 
And it's, he's like, it's really cool. And it, it's like, that's kind of how I view my music as well. It's like, it's a lot of things. I, you know, I love Charles Bradley. I love Sam Cooke. I love uh, Rage Against the Machine. I love Death Grips. I love Kendrick Lamar. I love T- Tupac. And all of the, I, I'd say like, you know, I'm always trying to test myself. I've been listening to a lot of Charles Bradley lately and just like a lot of, you know, the the soul the soulful 60s at home yeah. well, i'm sure i'm not the only one that calls him that but the whole like raspy voice thing i'm really yeah. I, I i found out i can kind of do that as well so i'm like all right so how can i how can i make this work in like you know uh, uh, a lot of my stuff is like yeah like punk and hip-hop so i was like how can i make that you know work in this and it, it, it's really cool i got oh, some wow. pretty, pretty fun stuff coming out wow but yeah, because I, I do remember, like I did, I listened to, there. you have two pieces that are quite interesting in, in terms of musically. You have Coming For Me, yeah, which we'll play a bit in a bit. And the thing that, that really, you hear the punk influence in that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's like, you can't mistake it for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you took me back to my misspent childhood yeah. <laughs> listening to like 70s 80s 70s early 80s punk rockers hey. and the whole you know where my doc martens and the whole you know merging of the punk with the skinhead the yeah. the skinhead movement in the intent that it was meant to be yeah. before yeah. it was yeah. bastardized by, by the white supremacists because yeah. a lot of people don't realize that the punk or the skinhead movement was actually had influences of reggae and there are mm. black people in it and it's like mm-hmm. you know people it seems and like they was they was fighting the nazis there was they, they were was, any any injustice they yeah. were there yeah right yeah so, they were cool so I definitely hear that punk influence in in coming for me, and like I said, we'll we'll, we'll play that in a wee bit, and actually, we'll, we'll play it now so that people can hear it. catch that 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 punk and then i also listen to fly away mm. and it's like you almost think to yourself is this the same dude <laughs> because yeah. often people pick a genre and they stick with it come hell or high water right yeah but- well, it's like it's like me it's like i'm so many things you know i'm a, i'm this black jewish uh, I identify, you know, with queerness as well. And it's just like, I'm just, I've never found a box that fits me, you know? So it's like, that speaks true to my music as well. It's like, why, why, why limit it? Cause it, the, the way I see it, it's like everything I do is the most me thing ever. Nobody can say, well, yeah, you might be like, wow, it's a surprise, you know, that these people, but you say, oh man, that's not, that's not half white. It's like, yeah, it is. It is. Cause I made it, you know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. it's like, yeah, I, I, like from, from like the go from the jump, it was like, man, I want to make this kind of music and I want to make this kind of music. So it's more of a matter of figuring out, you know, how to make these 
this world I'm building, you know, tangible. And I think it's something I'm, I'm working with. And I think once people get to know me, it's like, oh man, it makes so much sense that he's doing this and this and this, you know? Yeah, because it really was. So let's, we're going to listen to a little clip from Flyaway so that people can see the influences that's in that. kind of my it it's it, I was gonna say it's kind of my thing but it's not my thing like I'm not <laughs> making music or anything music appreciator yeah totally totally I mean I play piano and I play bass guitar really badly okay so it is your I, thing don't don't, don't take thing. that no, away no, from no, yourself no. I have a sister who it truly is her thing yeah but um but i love listening to different genres of music and and you know we talked about punk for a little bit i love old school i'm Mm. kind of stuck in this time period where i just can't get out of but i don't want to so i love like old soul i love old old hip-hop Mm-hmm. Because hip hop has now been around for long enough that there's old hip hop. Yeah, OG yeah. Hip hop now, yeah, right? There is, so, yeah, you're right. And old OG rap, yeah. where I will play a rap song from back in the day. And, you know, people who are like 18, 19, 20s are like, who's that? And I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Don't, don't even say that. Don't say who's that. <laughs> 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 But anyways, I digress, but I, I hear, I, I hear what you're saying about, you don't limit yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but what I want to know though, is aside from what I mentioned about, you know, the influence in coming for me, what is the genesis behind it? Because it's more than just the musicality. It's also the message. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote, uh, coming for me, uh, 2019 and it's really it's about like the experience of having to run really where it feels like you're running for your life but you just want to sit you know you want to relax but you know you can't because there's so much you need to do and that you know i'm uh, really involved in you know social justice issues and especially when it uh, pertains to you know uh, black issues um and that's really the way it feels to be involved in that world it's like you got to do so much running you got it's like there's there's problem after problem that you got to speak up about and and write about and, and make you know music and art about and and mm-hmm. put people on to um so you got you have to keep running because you, you get this feeling like damn well no if, if nobody is talking about this stuff if nobody's being educated then like we're losing you know but you're running you're running and you want to stop your legs are hurting your knees you just want to mm-hmm. buckle buckle over but it's like you can't that's kind of the the the, the, the feelings i was trying to uh emote and also you, you know thank you thank you appreciate that 
and yeah uh yeah and it's also just about the the pressures that come with that as well because you're you're, you're activists and you know scholars are held on there's such high scrutiny you know it's like you you use one wrong term really and it's like well what do they mean by this and it's like damn you know I, i'm just i'm sorry i got i ranted for a little bit and the one thing that you're latching on to is not the one thing that I was trying to say. It's yeah. this entire sentence, you know, it's this entire message. Um, so that's that's really, uh, yeah, what I was trying to bring with the song. Okay. Do you find, to, did you find that the tragedy, one of many, but the tragedy that sometimes people and I'm saying that term people yeah. latch onto as being the only thing that's ever happened to black people. Mm. And by that, I'm referring to the murder of George Floyd. Mm. Do you find that kind of almost, cause I know in the work that I do, it was almost like, I don't know if catalyst is the right word, but it just no, pushed yeah. things just even more rapidly forward. And because all of a sudden people were, in some ways acting like they'd never heard that this was even possible but yeah. in a lot of ways it did wake up the world yeah so do you, how did that change for you as a half white full black man yeah <laughs> well what was uh, i kind of had a, a conversation about this recently it's like for me uh the thing that i thought was gonna you know wake people up and change everybody's minds was Trayvon Martin you know that was the first thought yeah you know I was like I I saw that you know I followed the entire case very closely and I was like damn like this is gonna get what 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 people what wakes people up and then it didn't and then you know there was Sandra Bland and I was like all right you know if Trayvon didn't do it this will and then you know there was i i'm ashamed to say you know but i've 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 seen so many names and with each of them i was like shit well this is going to be the one nope. and by the time george floyd came i was you know a little jaded you know i was like i hope i hope people listen to it. that's that's what i was saying by then uh and but of course you know i am i am Or I say I was I guess uh, it, it's weird to say please because you know an innocent man. I hear what uh, you're saying. Yeah, I I, yeah. I understand what yeah. you mean. I understand, but go ahead. It, the 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 heightened focus on on the issues I I, I was I appreciated to see, but the unfortunate reality, you know, um, as someone that's just in the world, you know, in the activist sphere, it's like. Uh, I, I see now uh, that, you know, uh, attention, of course, is fleeting. Um, and it's hard to see some tangible change uh, sometimes because I'm like, all right, so what, where do we get to now that's so different than before? You know, uh, are police now not killing innocent people? No, you know, uh, we've seen budgets uh, police budgets in the last year actually go up so uh you know it's not like people aren't dying right now it's just that you know we're not talking about it right now you know because i'm still seeing it you know i'm still 
you know, staying up to date. So it's like, it, it's little, it's frustrating. It, it is, I, I, I do appreciate, you know, not having to explain, you know, very uh, basic level things, in my opinion, to people, you know, I, I think generally speaking, people are more educated on, on um, police brutality, which I appreciate. Um, but the unfortunate reality is, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and I think people thought that work extended to, I'm going to, you know, listen for, you know, a month or a few months. And, and I'm good. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, this is, this, this is a commitment really, you know, you're it's never a marathon. Going, yeah. Exactly. J-Rob, it's a marathon. Exactly, we're trying yeah. to, we're, we're trying to dismantle a system that's been in place for hundreds of years. Yeah. Hundreds. How are we all going to think it's going to clear up in a year? Yeah. Come on. And then we hear, you know, and then when we heard about the, um, the uh, residential schools, mm-hmm. I can speak for myself and you can, you can let me know how you feel, but I wasn't surprised. I'm like, why is everybody acting like they're surprised? First yeah. of all, I, me- I remember, okay, I think things have changed in school now, but I remember hearing about residential schools when I was in high school. Granted, it was the early 80s, but I, re- and, mm-hmm. and they still existed. Yeah. I remember hearing about them. So how are y'all going to act like you're surprised? That's it. And, you know, the, the way that they would teach, barely teach, uh, in, in, you know, I went to a pretty bad school, so I guess I'm not that surprised that I didn't learn much. About it. Okay. But um, the way that they would speak about it and teach it is as if it's, you know, some sort of relic of the past. Yeah. And I was like, but then, you know, when I actually found out, oh, wait, the last one was closed in 1996. This is no relic. I'm my brother. That's that's the year my brother was born. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. Um, so, yeah, like you, I was not surprised. And. You know, uh, the unfortunate reality that I'm seeing with that as well. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll get like, I'm worried that this is going to be the flavor of the month, you know, and then. Because that's our, that's, that's our history. Yeah. It's that like, is the history. It's like, okay, everybody, you know, for, for George Floyd and, and for anti-black racism, the, it, it was chic to, the black square whatever the case may be and then that disappeared now it's orange is the color of you know this season and sadly i suspect they'll find it'll be something else and it'll be yeah. oh we're gonna all wear yellow for whatever yeah. Yeah. and it's like wow people are you kidding me right now so tell me about your work with um i, I love that it's ncc because you know i thought jcc too right yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. NCC. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, so tell me about the NCC and what does the N stand for? So, you know, it, it was made back in the uh, the 20s or 30s uh, and it was the Negro Community Center. It That's was, what I uh, figured. Yeah. A word that, that people are afraid to use. Still. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I said Negro. You can't say that. Like, yeah. Said, no, Negro. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have to say African Canadian. I said Negro. Yeah, yeah. I, you you <laughs> tell me. Um but uh yeah, uh very 
uh, it was a staple in, uh, in the community, really. And I've only actually recently learned about it. And I lived in Little Burgundy. You know, I, the building used to be up for a bit while while I was living there. But it was. Tell me where Little Burgundy is, because Little I Burgundy think... is uh, like right on the outskirts of downtown. It's south. It's, downtown it's, where? For uh, Montreal. Yeah. You know we're global, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Global. Uh, downtown <laughs> Montreal. Montreal. Okay. Yeah, it's right on the outskirts, uh, on the southwest, and um, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, it's like uh, it, I've never really personally felt connected to to land before. You know, that was always something I struggled with understanding. But like the Little Burgundy is a place that I will always uh, call home, no matter where I'm at. And the reason for that uh, is it's just deep-rooted, beautiful history. Um, you know, uh, Montreal was a porter city uh, back in the day. And so many uh, Black folk, you know, were working the trains and they would uh, stop in Montreal. And they just grew a community here. They, 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 they stayed for a bit and they're like, damn, you know, this is, this is the spot. And it, it blew up, you know, so many black, uh, like uh, Caribbeans and Africans uh, settled there. And we had a bustling uh, jazz scene. Like it was like no other, you know, like people, big timers would come and they play, you know, on St. Catherine, which is one of our, you know, main strips. Oh, they I could, know because that's shopping. Yes. Yeah. Well, back that. back Can in we the day, <laughs> back in the day, it had it had jazz clubs, and they'd go play the jazz clubs there. But you know, by two two a.m., three a.m., when those would close, they'd be like, "All right, well, I'm going to play where the real spot is." And they'd come down to Little Burgundy. They'd wow. go to this place called, uh, well, there's a few places, but one of the biggest places was Rockheads Paradise, and it would be it was an after hours club, and the best of the best. They would come through. They play there. I think we actually, interestingly enough. We had our first um, drag performer, I think, in Montreal. This is like, I had to dig deep for this history. Like, uh -huh. I think it, possibly in Quebec, maybe even Canada, but the first drag performer on stage, boom, it, it, at Rockhead's Paradise. Like, it was a wild and like, there's a, there's a documentary I could send you about it. Please. And um, yeah, um, because of, and we were called the Harlem of the North. Like that's, that's what we were known as. Okay. And um, because of, yeah, the, the music scene, you know, a lot of people started, you know, migrating and staying uh, in little Burgundy and, um, you know, they began to realize, well, all right, well, we, we got to organize as a community. We got to, and they, they built, well, they didn't build, sorry. They, they, uh, it was housed out of a church first. Mm -hmm. And then they eventually grew to a point where, they they had a center um and uh it was it it, it was uh nelson Mandela, you know came to to speak they didn't come to speak at the ncc but they came to speak in little bird he came to speak in come little burgundy on. yeah it, it like it was a hub a, a black hub like it was no joke out there and um the ncc they they were prosperous they they ran for a long time but what ended up happening was um, what they what the city called urban development. Um, Gentr gentrification. That's what I call it. <laughs> um, 
they ended up, you know, uh, for to build an expressway, they uh, pretty much demolished half of Little Burgundy to do so. Uh, over 850 homes were uh, destroyed. So uh, over a thousand families were, uh, re, you know, dislocated and relocated somewhere else um, to build this expressway that ran really right through the neighborhood. And um, from there, you know, the community, uh, of course, was impacted by it and there was less less support because the NCC was funded by the community. It didn't really have any uh, public funding. Um, so they didn't have the money anymore, you know, and it was a sole proprietor and, you know, eventually he can pay the bills, can pay the electric bills, Mm-hmm. Um, so it was eventually sold and in um, it, it, it was destroyed I think in uh, 2014 and um, I found out yeah, last year or I think it was tw- I don't know these last two years kind of <laughs> just don't one make big sense. year it's just like <laughs> yeah the year uh, <laughs> yeah but uh I, I got involved. Uh, I attended a march about it. Uh, well, I attended an Emancipation Day march, and while there, they were talking about the, the Little Burgundy and the NCC, and I was like, "Whoa! Like this is, you know, uh, my calling, you know." And um, yeah, we're right now in the midst of, you know, trying to structure what we want how you want to do things and working on an action plan and hopefully in the next Fantastic. you know few months we're going to be making moves okay cool so next time i go to montreal hopefully yeah. i'll be up and running i will tr- i won't spend as much time on st Catherine street <laughs> <laughs> and i'll hit up little burgundy area the yeah. NC- me. yeah Good if you work. need a tour you just hit me up and I'll okay will do will yeah. do oh my gosh j rob thank you so much it was amazing having you on Pleasure i uh, i'm so thankful that the connection was made between the two of us and i will take you up on your montreal offer you might regret it but i will take you up <laughs> on it. and for, for those of you who are listening if you want to check out more of his poetry more of his spoken word poetry if you want to check out more of his music please go to his youtube channel and i will never forget this and i trust you will never forget half black or half, half white, white listen to me right <laughs> you'll never forget half white full black half white yeah. full black so please check out j rob's work you're gonna say before i head out uh, there was something yeah. i want to tell you before when you brought oh, it up absolutely. um you did that the poem that the the lady wrote um i forgot her name sorry but uh oh, when you talked about looking jewish yes. something i've been telling myself lately uh, is I'm the most Jewish looking person I know. And nobody can tell me that I am not. Dang you know? straight. So any any Jew of color out there, tell yourself that because how aren't you? You're exactly. Jewish and you're you. So therefore exactly. you're the living embodiment of what Jewish or what a Jewish person looks like. Thank you for that. And yeah. that's how we will end it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, J Rob. Really Thank appreciate you. having you on. Appreciate it as well.
Thanks for listening to Rivkush. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Music by Westside Gravy, and I am Rivkush. If you enjoyed this episode, you can hear more at thecjn.ca/rivkush. If you want to support the CJN, join the CJN Circle. You get quarterly magazines, invitations to live events, and a weekly printable edition. Learn more at thecjn.ca/circle. Thanks for listening. The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca.